Just throw balls in all the directions. I'm just gonna hit everyone with balls. Balls. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 38 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the web developer. I'm Sam and I make art. And today is February 16, 2016. And before we get started, we have a warning. Anything can happen on this show. We have no filters between our brains and our faces. Except for pop filters. We do. Mm-hmm. I have a pop filter. Mm-hmm. Sam has a fuzzball on his I mic. hope it's not between your brain and your face, though, because you'd be super dead. <laughs> it's, <laughs> podcasting <laughs> is a rough business, you guys. Yeah, man. Uh, so, you know, there, there might be some profanity or innuendos or out-er-endos. Uh, <laughs> Out-your-endos. Wh- whatever... Some- Whatever happens, it's going to be rough. So if you're sensitive, if you're a baby, if you're a toddler, uh, just get away. Go outside, play with some sticks. The less object permanence you have, the less you should be listening to this podcast. Yeah, it's a direct one-to-one correlation. Okay, so what's been happening this week, boys? Boys! Uh, Things have been calm. Things have been quiet. It's been rather nice it's kind of like uh being in a little cabin out well we out also nuked our twitter account which is we partially did. part of the reason why and i mean we we didn't actually you know it we did twitter. not kill anyone let's yeah. just put that right or out or twitter everything still exists everything's alive as much as we might like to but uh we we basically said you know we're it's yeah, we're kind of done I guess with the well, we had thing. a we had a a deep conversation about the tools that we're using, like and it's Twitter. always you know it's very important to ask these these deep questions. I just yeah. want to promise but about your tools and about how big of a tool you are and how to handle it. Yeah, um, and so we looked at Twitter, Facebook, uh, Reddit, the forums, Discord, all all these things that are you know constantly needing our attention, and we realized there's just too many of them. And they're getting in our way. So uh, so we just went ahead and decided we we're going to try to funnel everything into one place. And we put up an announcement on our Twitter saying we're not going to use it for a while. <laughs> yeah, which is – and it is unfortunate because we have really enjoyed interacting with our fans. And, and when people shout out to us being like, hey, we love you too – and all that stuff, but there's just so many people. But I mean, you know? there are there are still plenty of places that they can. Yeah, there's still to plenty us. of places, and you, so. can, you can actually tell us directly. Uh, you know, for those few of you who listen to our podcast, if you, it's actually very easy just to go send us a big shout out via our our contact form. So yeah, you know, there's lots of ways. Do it. Um, but yeah, so I mean, through through that quietness, that quietude, we've been able to actually start working on the quality of life patch. Which is coming along swimmingly. We well, have some, first, Seth, tell us what is the quality of life the quali- patch. So the quality of life patch is the the first sort of major update to Crashlands. Um, it's going to bring some cool new features like colorblind mode, which we talked about last week, and several new items. One that I'm particularly pumped about is the ability to combine twenty of your gravestones together to make a memorial to your own failures, <laughs> uh, which is which is going to be great. Uh, we have some new items like the pot slapper, which I'm not even going to explain what that does. It'll just, just <laughs> let that let that sit. Uh, we got things like the ability to reconfigure your UI so you can put your hotbar on the right side or the left side. Uh, a recipe tracker where you can click on it to get hot sort of like tool tips, hot tips, hot cold tool tips. tips. I think it's hot hot tips. Get some hot tips about yeah, your man. recipes. Was it Frosty um, Tips? Isn't that what we did in the 90s? Frosted Tips? Dude, I definitely did Frosty Tips. Adam had, <laughs> Adam had <laughs> Wicked Boy Band. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually, Adam... my wife actually makes fun of me about anytime she sees old pictures of myself. She says, she says the following two things without fail every time. You look like a baby. Oh, my God, you're white tips. Did you? I mean, oh, no. no, sorry. Cool guy tips is what she calls them. Cool guy tips. Adam you started, any- though, with parted hair in the I middle. I did. <laughs> parted hair in the middle, then I evolved did. into frosty tips. Yeah. It was a dark time, it was. It was Just, a very dark time. Wait, where did, the, where did the middle part even come from? Because I have yet to see a human... There was a brief good. moment. There was a so actually. I also want to just so that Adam's not the only one hung out to dry here. <laughs> the same six month period that Adam had parted hair in the middle, I had a bowl cut. Mm-hmm. So there were that is a fact. Terrible decisions abounded 
for six months. For Ooh, I, to be fair, at that point, Sam was a baby. Sam was was a fetus. <laughs> was like, even, he was like eight cells. He did I didn't not even have know what object permanence. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then otherwise, uh, so we were, I mean, that's just what we're working on. If you want to, if you want to kind of keep up with the patch notes, then do that. It's in the sidebar of the crash land subreddit and you can see us adding stuff to it in real time. Every uh, so, so often. You, yeah. yeah. So you want to keep amazing. up with the quality of life patch then, you know, I believe f- actually the URL is bit.ly slash crash patch notes. Nice. That might right? be right. Although the P is capitalized. You have to get that right. Otherwise, otherwise could, God knows where. Otherwise you could have, end, end up, up anywhere, probably in the most horrible porn you can imagine. You know, someone's going to take the bitly now for that. We should, we need to get on that. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Oh God. No, no, I, I want to see where it goes. I think we should just let the chips fall where they may <laughs> on this one. It is the internet. You, you always know that what you're getting into with the internet is just madness and sanity you're always one yeah. you're one click away from porn that's yeah. just how it from is from porn and viruses that's mm. just the beauty and the darkness <laughs> of the internet <laughs> um and, and we've been planning for gdc which uh, yeah i don't know if sam if you have any thoughts or, or things to say about gdc well what is gdc is the first question gdc is the game developers conference which is out in san francisco and we're in st louis so we gotta fly over there and then you know, yeah. get hotels and stuff so we got we got most of that stuff squared away and uh we'll be we'll be flying into town i think on the 12th and staying through the morning of the 19th and most of the time we'll be going to talks and having meetings with fancy people probably not that fancy people but you know as fancy as we can manage and it just uh, depends on what you mean by fancy and yeah. what you mean by meetings and, and people and people, and people right yeah um anything could happen really we don't know <laughs> And so we'll be we'll be hanging out over there, and it's a, it's a really fun thing. So there's it's called the Moscone Center is the is the convention center, and I think it's like twenty six thousand game devs. I think it's pushing up. thirty. These is it pushing thirty? Which is just yeah. weird because like I mean you're not gonna see all of them, but you'll see if you follow certain devs, you'll I mean you'll see these people around, and then you have to make a decision as to whether or not you have the confidence required to talk to them. Which it, which is point. weird because they're basically computer nerds. Like these yeah. are these yeah, are right. rock stars. You know, these are just people that hunch over their computers for 40, 60 hours a week, like us. You know, and then but they go somehow, to convention once a year. <laughs> somehow they're so intimidating, though. Um, I think a lot of it is like I don't know what to say. You know, because hey, I like your game. Could, yeah, exactly. It's like hey, I, I loved this game that you made. Uh, and then I don't have anything But I guess else. think about it like this. Like, what, what would you appreciate if someone just came up and said, would you appreciate it, I guess, if someone just came up and said, hey, I like your games. That's true, actually. I would actually what, be like, oh, thanks. thanks. That's I, an excellent point. I think that's, I mean, I appreciate that, but it's hard to turn that into a conversation. I think also what's true. better is if you go up to somebody and you just say, hey, I really like your game. I was wondering if you wanted to go grab a cup of coffee. I had some like cool game design uh, sort of like ideas I wanted to, to chat with you about. No, just, no, just absolutely agree. not. I don't I don't not, not, like, not like I have a game idea, but just like the philosophy of game design okay. or something. I don't know, because then you have to come up with like 45 minutes worth of talking material, Seth. You're just like pinning us into a super deep this conversational hole. Well, but what's know? the point of just walking up to somebody and for eight seconds just saying, hello, I like the thing you made, you know, bye. I think there's <laughs> That's some not a foundation of a relationship. There's some value in, in appreciating a person, you know? You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, it, it, okay, there is, you get to make them feel good, but you just get to feel awkward. Right, that's that's true. There's no given. There's yeah, no give and take. Yeah. So there. what do you what do you do? How do you go from one game developer to another where neither of you know each other, and there's probably an asymmetrical kind of situation where one is really well known, yeah, and the other one is not, and you're the one who's not in this scenario, right? What do you do? I think I think you just go up and you say, "Hey, I really really like your work, and you know, here's a particular aspect of it that I've been thinking about, and what do you think about this or something?" I mean, just make so, it, yeah, uh, at least turn it into a conversation. Yeah, I, so I feel what like you're you saying is you should think you about it. Ahead yeah, of time. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I say think about it enough that you can actually have a conversation, but don't don't necessarily you know freak out and be like, "What do I? What do I say to this?" rock star in front of me. There's actually a, a sort of a third option. And by third, I mean second option. Which is to flee. Is you can, yeah, or, or you can just like walk up to them and be like, and then just like spill coffee on their chest. Um, and then true. be like, oh, I'm sorry. And then grab a napkin and start dabbing it, you know? Um, and I think you have to pickpocket them, right? If I'm 
if I'm yeah, cashing while they're distracted, you steal their wallet, take their identity, boom, you're a game developer. Oh, yeah. yeah just perfect. like that. This is actually the start of like every rom-com I've ever seen. So I'm pretty sure there might be a, you know, a relationship down the line. Oh, yeah. If, it, if turns you, in, it turns into true love. It blossoms. Yeah. There's as soon laughs, as you, there's a when wedding. you spill coffee on someone and then steal their identity, I mean, that's just that's just fertile ground. <laughs> it's fertile ground for a new relationship. Fertile it's <laughs> the blossoming. It's fertile. Something wonderful. Uh, but yeah, so, so yeah, we'll, we'll be in we'll GDC. GDC and, uh, <laughs> and if you're if you're going to be there, then you can come by and say, "Hey, we're, we'll be wearing our butterscotch shirts the whole time, not the same shirt." We have well like, the same shirt, but, but not different the same shirt. Well, actually, though, I have a an announcement. What's um, that? I'm going to be working on my abdominals, so Ooh, I'm only going to be wearing half of a butterscotch <laughs> shirt. <laughs> are you going to cut GDC. abs out of the shirts? <laughs> well, I'm actually, I'm just going to cut like a window in the front of it. I don't want to do the whole like, uh, you know, halvesy cut, cut off shirt, you know, yeah, like that's belly too shirt. Weird. Yeah, that's too weird. That's too window. revealing. So yeah. I'm just going to cut a window in the front, but I'm going to cut like a vertical line down the middle and also two vertical lines across it. So it's kind of like six tiny windows, one for each. One for each ab. Yeah, so obviously. If, if I'm working on my hip flexors, which is like, you know. Yeah, man, cut the sides of your pants torso. off. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that, that conversion space between torso and leg butt. Should I just cut? Uh, torso and leg butt. A matching yeah, I think, oval I think hole. If, if you got it, flaunt it, right? You know, what, whatever is your best feature, just make sure to cut a hole in your clothes so people can see it. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, what's the point of living strategy. otherwise? Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, yeah what, what else is happening with GDC? Sam? Well, we should. <laughs> Anything? I was going to say know. that I was going to finish that off a sec. If you see somebody in a butterscotch shirt, which is you know, a, a black shirt with logo, butterscotch shenanigans, just like you see on our splash screen, you should say hello. Also, we want, you we should want to rub say hello back. whatever exposed piece of muscular flesh has been decided to be poking out. <laughs> You just come up and give it a give it a hefty flesh slap yeah. with your palm, with, with your with meaty palm. abdominal. Window. Or you know, if you've got a part of your clothing that's cut open, you can slap that against the other exposed. <laughs> just like right. it's like a high five, but of of flaunting uh, a flaunt five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be it'd be much obliged, much appreciated, much obliged, much obliged. <laughs> yeah. All right, Adam, and. So- I mean, yeah, well, besides the, yeah. Besides the going to GDC stuff, we've been we've been just planning a lot of things. In fact, um, yeah, trying we to have. figure. Well, out we haven't really been planning. We've been confused. No, we've been well, pondering. We did plan, doing. and then we realized that we don't know what we're doing again, and so we stopped planning. And yeah, we went well, back to pondering. Well, here's the thing, guys. <laughs> There's well, the thing. What we've been doing for the past two years is making Crashlands. Yeah, yeah, and now That's Crashlands is made. And it it lives out in the world. And yeah, we have a few things we're going to do with it. You know, we got the, the quality of life patch and the creator patch are coming out pretty soon, actually. And, and then that's and then we're into the next phase. And even now we're actually on to the next phase because Crashlands is out. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we're trying to figure out what the hell to do with the studio. Um, and we don't know. Well, and the reason that we can't even ask this question is because uh, up until we launched Crashlands, we the only option we had was to just keep doing exactly what we've been doing. Yeah, we were making effectively no money whatsoever. And so, yeah, we just had to keep on making Crashlands until it was out and hope that it didn't flop so that the studio could survive. And then it didn't flop and it actually is doing well. And so the question is now, what do we do? And the answer is and all the of answer us looking is confused. We, yeah, we're, we're we're trying to figure it out because we so the, so the biggest question, the one that we're really struggling with right now, is the question of expansion. Do we grow the studio? Mm-hmm. Because it's possible. We don't know for sure, but it's possible that we'll be able to. It's possible we can add an employee. Which by the what? way, which by the way, uh, we're not currently taking applicants, so don't start. Yeah, so and also fine. just bear in mind that because we don't know what we're doing, even the prospect of that is a super terrifying for us. <laughs> yeah, we we have no idea what's happening, but but we're thinking about it. We're trying to figure out what that would look like. We're trying to decide about the feasibility and all of that. And but that that made us have to kind of take a step back and ask the question: Why? Right? Because yeah, right sh- now, is, it, is this something we should be doing? Is this something we should be doing? What's the purpose of expanding a studio beyond? I mean, right now we have the needs of the studio covered by the three of us. Because uh, you know, Sam, in theory, in theory, right? Because <laughs> Sam is doing all of the art and the vast majority of the PR. Uh, Seth is doing all the game programming. I'm doing all the web and tool development, and we sort of have covered all the things that need to be covered. 
Uh, so then there's the question. Well, Why I think expand. I think, uh, you know, one of the big problems that we've experienced over the years is that, you know, we have, so just me as the game programmer, just Sam as the artist, just Adam as the web developer, which means nothing can ever happen in parallel. So if we want to update Flop Rocket, if we want to take a, a two weeks to add some just really sweet stuff to Flop Rocket as, you know, as a service to the fans and people who are enjoying playing Flop Rocket, uh, when we do that, all progress stops. Yeah, it takes away game. two weeks from the current project or yeah. the next project. Yeah, it's you know it's kind of like that the revolution that happened when suddenly we had dual core processors, right? Oh my God, your computer can just do so many more things now because it doesn't do everything one at a time. Um, and so this is a this is something that we've been thinking about as a as a possibility. Um, but we still have no we're, we're just reading a lot of books and doing and also just kind of waiting for things to settle after the launch and trying to figure out if this is feasible and uh i don't know it's it's confusing it is but i mean i think so the, the reason we wanted to actually talk about this is we're trying to be open about what it's like to build a studio so we want to tell you about you know kind of where we're screwing up or succeeding or whatever as we go through the process and so this is one of these big moments where we need to make a decision about what the future of our studio is going to look like. So we're going to try to, we're going to try to incorporate this a bit more into the podcast than, than we used to. Uh, but yeah, but there's this, there's this question of why. And, and I think Seth got to a few points about it, but the big one is aside from the fact that doing any work on something takes away work from something else, which is obviously bad. It's also the case that right now, none of us can just take a vacation. <laughs> it's literally, Oh yeah. Impossible. I forgot about that. There's, there's that little detail. <laughs> Uh, we can't because if I leave and something breaks with Bscotch ID, it's just broken until I come back. <laughs> right? If if Seth leaves and something happens with the game, it's broken until he comes back. If Sam leaves and there's a PR thing we need to deal with, we don't even know who the hell he's been talking to. Mm-hmm. Right? We we've all become or if the art breaks. Or if the, the art, art well, stops well, working. Or if we need an art <laughs> asset, right? To because because art oh, art shit, everything's purple. <laughs> oh, Sam. <laughs> Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, fortunately, Sam's stuff doesn't break, but it still serves as a bottleneck because we still need him to make stuff now and then, right, uh, to, to move our progress forwards. And so so right now, because each, there's only one person basically assigned to every single task we have to do, if we need that task done and the person isn't there, we're just fucked. Maybe we should just rename the studio Bottleneck Shenanigans. Until- it, it basically <laughs> is, right? It's just a, it's a bottleneck factory is what we've created and so, so to me, that is that's like that is absolutely the prime driver and rationale to to actually consider expanding the studio. Because if we expand the studio, all of a sudden now we have to be considering other people's livelihoods. The risk becomes really complicated, actually, because now we're not just risking our own salaries, which we can just choose to do, right? Mm-hmm. But now we have to make sure that we, if we bring in people, that we're not risking their livelihoods. We want to make sure that we can pay people into the future and all that kind of stuff. So all of a sudden. I can't have that on my conscience. Yeah, or it becomes complicated and sort of uh, uh, emotionally just tricky, and and it has to really be worth it. Makes it makes everything me, seem real. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. It, well, it makes us feel legit, which is kind of cool, right? If we like, if we get to hire people, uh, but but yeah. So to me, the the main rationale is is if we do this, then that puts us at the next level up, where now all of a sudden the company of butterscotch shenanigans can continue to make progress on stuff without, even if one of us is gone for a week. But there, but there's a, another side to that coin. What's that? Which is the company has to keep making progress on stuff. True. Right. Yeah. Because when it's just the three of us, we can go, gosh, you know, let's just, I mean, technically we could be like, let's just step away for a month or something. And we'll just not, and we'll just not get paid for that month and whatever, you know, like that's a decision that we could make. Um, but as soon as we get other people's, like you said, other people's livelihoods tied up in the company, then suddenly there's, there's no more option, right? It's just one of those things. I feel like it's kind of like, it's kind of like going from the uh, girlfriend to engaged or to married stage. Where you're it's just, in it now. Yeah. Yeah. You're really committing because, so, <laughs> you know, someone else is involved and we, I mean, we were laughing about this yesterday, but. It's okay if we're kind of, you know, fucking up each other's lives as brothers. <laughs> right. Well, you know? it's, we grew up fucking reason. up each other's lives. You know? Yeah, that seems that's acceptable. how we do it. 
But to go ahead and do that to someone who's just like who's volunteered an innocent life. bystander. Yeah, I don't know. Just some freaky stuff. I guess if yeah. you if you have a studio that is more than, or I guess that has hired someone, uh, and you got some pro tips or maybe like a book to read. Yeah, send it our way. <laughs> send Anything. it our way. Uh, Anything. Contact form or or the forums or an email. I don't care. Just send us some stuff. Don't tweet at us though, because we aren't even looking at that. Anymore. Yeah, we're just looking at. It. Oh yeah, and the contact form is id.bscotch.net slash contact. Mm-hmm. Yes, we should make so a bitly for it that leads to porn. Also, if you uncap it, <laughs> <laughs> just in case somebody wanted to also see some porn, you want some contact? We'll give you some contact. Give you some very direct contact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So next up is our segment called "Here's some games we're playing." Let's talk about that. And I do want to say, uh, last week we definitely. Spent we a little. We we spent way more well, no, time talking we about. We stayed on the rails. <laughs> we stayed oh, yeah. on the rails for way too long. <laughs> um, so we're gonna just briefly talk about uh, sort of the big one that came out the past week, which is Firewatch. Mm-hmm. Firewatch. And this is the first game to come out by a new studio called Campo Santo. But I feel like which, he's calling them news kind of. That's well, not yeah, they, they're made. It's a it's a new studio made of like ten year veterans or yeah. more. They've got uh, a who have powerhouse. Done, of you got the they've done from, all kinds of projects. The guy from Telltale. Uh, like you know the, the guy? Griders. The, one of the guys. The and Telltale then, guy. Uh, the art, I can't remember one of the artists' name. Uh, I saw a thing about her yesterday. And then a guy named Ollie who did like the sort of illustration style that kind of formed the whole thing. Who's like a really famous illustrator dude. Yeah, yeah I mean, Ollie. Genuinely a just powerhouse uh, indie studio. Yeah. Very interesting. So they spent two years making this game based in San Francisco. Yep. Let's With talk about 11, that. 11 people. Let's yeah, and it's, we don't need to talk about the game yet. We need no. to talk about San Francisco. We will talk about the game, but yeah, first San Francisco. Okay. What's Somebody else kick this off because yeah, yeah. I'm going okay. to throw a blood clot <laughs> into my brain. Well, this is exactly it. Is is I had all this info about, about the studio listed out for this podcast that we could talk about, and Sam said they were like, oh, that's fucking boring, right? And I was like, no. The point here is why the fuck are they in San goddamn fucking Francisco? Right? <laughs> because here's the deal. If you are an independent game development studio, meaning you have no money, right? You don't have a publisher and, giving and you, you money. And you don't know whether you're going to have, you're going to make it. You don't know money. when or whether you're going to make any. And everyone's livelihoods in the company are dependent on the success or failure of the thing you're making, right? There's no, there's no lifeline. That's what, that's what it means to be an independent studio. Okay, that's all awesome. Now, for some reason, every fucking one of these independent studios goes to San Francisco. They're like, this is the place to be, right? Now, yeah, absolutely, there's awesome stuff there. There's no doubt about that. But here's the but other there thing. is awesome stuff everywhere. There's awesome stuff everywhere. Here. But here's the most important thing. The cost of living there is fucking outrageous. Yep. Yes. It's outrageous. Right? Let's talk how about how outrageous is it, Adam? Perhaps we should. If we had some statistics. Perhaps if we had some. Okay, so we're, I mean, I'm actually in Dallas right now where the cost of living is actually also quite low. Uh, Sam and Seth are in St. Louis. I'm moving to St. Louis, so we'll talk about St. Louis. So right? St. Louis 000, is where Butterscotch lives. Yeah, and, and a big part of that is, I mean, we had, we have had the option to move anywhere we wanted to. Uh, like very early on in the studio. I mean, this is something thing we actually talked about um, when we formed Butterscotch. It's like, oh, do we want to go somewhere else? Because at the time, the St. Louis scene was was sort of just getting rolling. And we had heard uh, from a few of these sort of bigger heads in the games industry that if you want to make games, you got to go to uh, one of like four places, all of which are kind of bigger cities or with uh, higher cost of living for some reason. So we decided to stay put because uh, going back with Adam's line of reasoning, we were like, okay, we need to keep our costs as low as is physically possible. Um, and St. Louis happens to have an extremely a cost-effective way of living. So 50,000 buckaroos in the city of St. Louis. That's dollars. That's dollars. Dollaroos. <laughs> that's that's we, the nickname here of Here in St. Louis, we call them buckaroos. That's so right. if you got 50,000 of those St. Louis buckaroos, that's oh, that's gonna be equivalent to making ninety four thousand dollars in San Francisco. Ninety four thousand dollars. That's I almost twice need as twice, much. Yeah, twice as much. Well, I believe money. they call them dollarinos. To be fair, so they do yeah, convert into dollarinos. I believe they call them organic dollars. Yes, they are. Yeah, I mean that's part of why free they're more expensive dollars. in San Francisco is yeah. their their free range. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, if you're talking about paying eleven people who are like the top notch folk. uh in San Francisco versus 
I mean, frankly, anywhere else. Literally any other place but, in the universe. I mean, just compared to like St. <laughs> Louis, I mean, you're looking at, at a, almost like a half cost situation, which extends the lifetime of the studio and lowers the bar that you have to leap over in an extremely volatile industry um, where you can work for two years on something and have you know nothing happen. At the end of it. And granted, like, yes, they're a powerhouse studio. And yes, they have all, all sorts of indie uh, sort of connections that they built up. And so, sure, like in their case, it's not necessarily, it's not going to go sideways. I mean, obviously the game has launched very, very well. Um, and I'm sure it's doing very well for them comparatively, even even with that, the extra cost on top of it. Yeah, but, the, the problem isn't studios like this. It's studios that are brand new with new people, whatever, who look at studios like this yes. and go, oh, they went to San Francisco to make this game. They must know something. There must be great stuff happening there and I need to be there, right? right. And so people... Fucking pick up everything and well, move. But, but we we missed the most important point of all of this, which is no matter where you make your game, it goes into the same global market and has the same money making potential. Right, because there's this thing called the internet that's yeah. been around. You don't. That is you're how not you sell selling your game. your game to San Franciscoans. You're selling your game to the entire world. And in fact, San Francisco San Francisco represents a tiny tiny fraction of that of people actually buying your game. So the cost of living for the people buying your game is way lower, right, than your own cost of living. So if you are living in a place that has as low of a cost of living as possible, your earning potential is exactly the same as if you live in San Francisco, which means your ROI is like infinitely higher. I will say, though, there's one important uh, note here, which is if all of them already lived in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, sure. Then, okay, like, you know. But you know, even better. Even then, be, if you had if you had moved, I don't know. Yeah, you can't they, like you can't ask eleven <laughs> people to just pick up everything and move. I, I think that's no. But but it's one of the things is because I, I was reading some stuff from the developers of this thing, and and they were talking about how much they were risking and how expensive it was to to do this project and all this well, kind of yeah. stuff. And I couldn't help being <laughs> pissed off the entire time because I'm like half, literally half of the reason that this is so risky and expensive, et cetera, for you guys is because you're doing it in San Francisco. Yep. It's just because of where you chose to be while you did it, right? Um, the risk is literally cut in half in terms, in terms of the financial risk involved in the process if you were to go somewhere else and do exactly the same thing. Indeed. And it's weird so, because so we've gotten this a few times when we got to GC, and I'm I'm sure we'll get at least a little bit of it again this year where someone's like, oh, where are you guys based out of? Or where do you guys do game dev from? We'll be like, oh, St. Louis. And they're like, St. Louis. And they go, they go, <laughs> And they're like, oh, yeah, I, 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 uh, I flew through there once. Yeah, or over it is usually over, what they'll say. Over yeah. it. Um, and it's well, like, as it's if, so As if the place that you are somehow impacts the thing that you create, which, which sure, it can if, like, your inspiration comes from, uh, like, looking at the Golden Gate Bridge for some reason, right? Then, yeah, okay, sure, there might be some sort of thing there. But for the, for the most part, when it comes to video games and software in general, you can make that shit anywhere. Yeah. It just I think you just the, need a laptop and an outlet. The important yeah. note is that like your your ideal circumstance is where finding a place where the cost of living is super freaking low, but where simultaneously there's actually a game dev community that is that has like knowledge floating around that's open and willing. Um, the two places that come to mind are basically like St. Louis and Austin, because uh, Austin has a uh, only like slightly more expensive uh, cost of living. I Although Austin's Louis. getting worse because it's like the new San Francisco. Uh, oh no! Yeah. Oh no! Every every place has this thing where they're like, we're going to become the new Silicon Valley. And yeah. then you don't want that. You don't, don't do it. That should not yeah. be your dream. It's a trap. Just keep doing your <laughs> own thing and don't let anybody know. Actually, we shouldn't have talked about this because now, oh, of, of course, now everybody's going to move to St. Louis and it's going to be ruined. Yep. All Anyways. of our all of our listeners. <laughs> But let's let's get off of our uh, ridiculous. Our San we should talk about the rant. game itself. Sam, okay, tell us about this game. You're the only one who's played it. I did play the shit out of it. By that I mean I played it for three hours because it's three hours long. Um, Wait, so you played it? You played it from start to finish. I played. It from you start played to finish. the shit out of it in that you played the whole game. I yeah. played the whole thing. I, for three I hours. read a lot of the right. I did like a lot of the additional chattering that is available in this in thing. So. The basic idea with Firewatch is, in the in the biggest and also the biggest insult uh, hurled at it in what is a, a like curiously perfectly descriptive but also derogatory way is uh, calling it a walking simulator because the interesting thing about it is it's it's all about the narrative and all about the story and so you play as a dude named Henry and you go out to be a Firewatch for the summer and you chat with a woman named Delilah who's your 
like a watchtower sort of uh, supervisor person who's a watchtower over. And your whole job is just to watch for fires. And then, of course, like some weird stuff happens and there's mysteries and mysteries and mysteries and that sort of thing. And the interesting thing, though, about just the gameplay in general is that the that that claim of it being a walking simulator is is like sh- like shockingly true. Uh, you don't like you walk around and you can pick up stuff and look at it. Um, and by stuff, I mean like some books and like cleaning agents that are in your little tower and then, like pine cones. Um, and then otherwise you're, you basically just walk around until you find the thing that like narratively you're supposed to engage with. And then you kind of call it in over the radio and then listen to this, this extremely well done voice acting. And the story just plays out like this. It's uh, like, that's your interaction with the game is walking. Uh, you can toggle a jog, which tries to untoggle itself at like every foreseeable moment for some reason. Um, <laughs> and, and you kind of, I mean, you, you sort of learn, it's a small map, like it's a small world. And so you, you kind of learn how to get around and you get a compass and a map and that sort of thing. Uh, but it, it was, it was very curious to me because I knew, I knew going into it that a lot of people had been, that a lot of people had complained about the, the duration of it. But as we talked about uh, two podcasts ago, duration is just really dumb, really dumb metric for talking about video games. Um, or really just media in particular, the question kind of is, is just giving you an experience you can't really get anywhere else? That is, and I think I'd like to add on to that, um, that is is highly, uh, like very interesting for the medium that it's presented in. So okay, in the case of, and this this was like my, my walk away feeling coming out of Firewatch, I finished it, and I thought, I mean, the, the, I, I want to stress again, like the execution of everything in the game is phenomenal. So the art is oh, ridiculously beautiful. Good. It's so yeah. stupidly good. I would just sit there and like stare at the clouds for a while because it was just so freaking pretty. It may be worth the cost just to be in the art. Yes. You get to go live it's like, in the uh, art. It's like while. paying a fee to go in, into a, a museum. Art museum. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the the story, uh I didn't I didn't really like the how the story ended. I think a lot of people had the same uh complaint. But but again, like this this the writing is extremely well done. So again, the execution of everything is is just so good and the voice acting is phenomenal just everything is so good on an execution level but the overall design of it left me confused because at the end i got up and i just took a moment i was thinking about it and then i i went to bed and i was talking to my fiance and she was like oh how like how was it you're just you know playing it for three hours and i said i think i would have rather watched the movie or read the book because Mm -hmm. To me, they didn't, I mean, we, and we talk about this, what is a game concept, right? What is a game? What isn't a game? Does it matter that things are or are not classified and labeled as such? And I think the difficulty for me is in this particular context, I don't necessarily care about who's calling it what. I just care about what it's doing. What is it taking advantage of with the medium that it's given? And the truth is, to me, with Firewatch, it doesn't use any sort of loop structures whatsoever. Uh, so there's no, there's no skill in navigating your environment. And really, the core mechanic be, is walking. The core around. mechanic is walking. Um, but the narrative is so fucking good. And it's just like the it seems like with something that had so much of the focus just on the narrative. Like I mean, there's not any game elements to it in the sense that in my mind, like you can't um you can't die, you can't you can get like lost for a while. Yeah, you can, can you turn lose? Is there a lose condition? No, there's no lose condition. There's no so like, there's, there's no, no failure state. There's no setback condition either. Is there like, are there important decisions that you make that can lead in some no. sort of an so, outcome that changes things? Mm-mm. It's a so you just so you just kind of linearly move through. It's like reading a book. Then let me let me put it this way: It's like just if you took, going through a story as it's presented. Right, exactly. If you took Crashlands and made it so the only thing Flux could do was walk, and you just walked from outpost to outpost and uncovered stories. And then like told other people about them. That is what the game would be. And I, I personally would not say that that is to me. It's not taking advantage of the medium that it's presented in, which is why it didn't quite make sense to me. Well, right. let's talk about let's talk about this question though, because I think there, there's always that discussion that you you kind of glossed over this, but that that question of whether something is a game. And I often hear this this phrase thrown about by particularly by indie developers who say things like. We still are just barely like at the tip of the iceberg for exploring what a game is. And I just don't think that's true. I think we've mostly explored what games are. And now what we're doing is we're creating entirely different things that 
aren't aren't really games. They don't have anything in common with games other than that you use a keyboard to interact with it, right? Right. Um, but I I'm, I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't mean that in a derogatory way. Um, like this phrase of walking simulator. I, I feel like that's kind of a der- that's a derogatory term. Like it's an right, it's well, meant to be insulting. Uh, well, because because it glosses like, over the important part, which is the story. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's the truth. Is that the the focus of Firewatch is not on gameplay. That's just one hundred percent true. Yeah, it's there is not. no game. There's no game There's play. No, yeah. There's no right. playing happening. It's an interactive you, story. Well, yeah. So yeah. Sam, here's the question: given, given what you said about this, where is this because you uh, because things are generically presented as games when they're in the medium of a thing you interact with on a computer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but because this thing actually isn't a game, then you came in expecting it to be something that it wasn't. Because I'm actually not convinced that that it, that it makes sense to say it's in the wrong medium because no. you would have preferred to read the book or watch the movie, right? Because the fact is that there is there is a value to, even if it's a linear story that you follow and you mostly are walking around and there aren't any rules, et cetera, but that you're playing the part of a, of a character in a narrative, I think there's still there's real value in that 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 is that makes the medium really interesting and valuable. Separate well, I'm from not, I'm not saying there's no stuff. value in it. I'm saying I'm saying the the difference in what you're delivered between say a book format, an actual just written story of this, and what you get in a video game format of it is that in the video game format, what happens is there's occasionally like four to six minutes between any pieces of dialogue that move any parts of the story together or that expose some nature of the character. And to me, if you're talking about just like purely doing story stuff, then I mean, it, might, it might just be the nature of Firewatch being this sort of like you're going out and you're running around and finding things in this particular map, right? Um, there's going to be the chance that people get lost or whatever else. And, and I think it's just the case to me that if the, if the core point of your game is the narrative or of, of your of this experience is a narrative structure. Well, it's not even the core point. It's the soul point. Right. Right. Then, I mean, that's then, the only part of it that matters. Right. Then, then why wouldn't you choose to deliver that in, in a manner that is most congruent with that, which storytelling. is storytelling. Yeah. yeah but, but, that, but again, that's where I think you're, you're kind of taking your, your expectation of how things should be. Right. Cause for you, you're what you're, what you're explicitly saying here is that if it's a story, it should be in a book. Right. Uh, well, I'm no. What, what I'm saying is, is there's not any question of shoulds. I'm just saying that the experience that I got from walking for four to six minutes between pieces of dialogue, when dialogue was the only thing available to entertain me besides the thing looking good, meant means to me that it does. It's not able to take full advantage of the so, medium in which. Okay, it's so you're, you're saying that the saying. that the experience of the world outside of the narrative, correct, was not. Was not, uh, I guess, worth the worth the time to that it took to to have that experience. Yeah, I think I think that I think it's a beautiful world and it's fun to walk around in for certainly a few minutes. You know, take some screenshots or whatever. But but it doesn't change over time. Um, there's also a curious, complete lack of wildlife. Uh, I found a butterfly, but that was it. Um, I saw I, a screenshot of a deer once. That's just the, the opening piece. That's when you that's when you walk in. Oh, like okay, an every, elk. Okay, you never see <laughs> you never see any other animals after that. Um, which is a little. That was one piece where I was like, "Guys, this is a lot of project." <laughs> Put some but but is it here. is it true though that I, I mean, do you think that these in between these parts in between the the dialogue where you're mm-hmm. out in the wilderness looking at this beautiful landscape, does that do a, a a a proper job of sort of setting the mood that you're supposed to be in? Because it seems yeah, to me that well, yeah. like that so, would be the idea, right? Is that you spend these several minutes wandering around, you feel super lonely because you're by yourself but you're in this beautiful sort of landscape, right? Yeah. And no, no, so no, it's no, probably I, setting the mood for the narrative. I think, I mean, you're right in that, uh, so video games, there's one power of video games that I think whenever these discussions are had, uh, gets, leaved out, gets left out, and I have left it out also, but that is the, the power of, of immersion, of this, uh, of this actual feeling of being in a place, right? Um, and delivering that, and there's an obvious reason why 3D games tend to be way more immersive than 2D games, right? Uh, it's just because of the fact that it's easier for your brain to put itself completely in that world. So, so yeah, I think you're, you are hundred percent correct that being literally in a 3d representation of that world 
uh, while you know in, in those in between parts certainly does set the mood very powerfully for for these various things. I'm just not I just I I'm not particularly convinced that that I guess I, there's there's not a question of like should it be a book or should it be a movie or whatever else. I'm just saying. You're saying, would it be better as one of those things? I'm just saying, would it be worse? Would it be worse? And I guess my answer is no. I don't think it would be worse if it was a book. I honestly don't. I actually think it might actually be better. So you don't think it being sold through Steam as a branded as a game? I don't think it's bad. Made it or improved the concept. Correct. Yeah, I, I think it just didn't add. It didn't actually add much value to it. I think if this was actually a 3D movie. Uh, I think that would have hmm. gotten the best of both things, honestly, because you get you get that immersion, you get that beauty, you get the narrative, and then you don't have to sort of wander around weirdly for four minutes and get lost. <laughs> like, you know, so <laughs> I, just I, have I, those that, gaps. That's my that was my feeling about it. It's like it's not that it's bad. Actually, I think it's it's quite good and it's very interesting. Um, and if if you're the sort of person who just really likes narrative, you'll just you're gonna love it. Absolutely gonna love it because it's very well done. Like I said, but I think. As far as this question of like, is it a game? What's a game? Whatever. I, I don't really care about that particular question. My question is, does it seem to take advantage of the medium that it's in? And my answer to that is just no. Hmm. So that's that's what I think huh. about Firewatch. Interesting verdict. Yeah. I'm curious to hear what our listeners think about this. I, will, I uh, hope maybe someone can swear at me. So. And I, I also <laughs> want to just, before we get into uh, questions, I also I just want to reiterate... Um, you know, I think all three of us are on the same page when it comes to like we support everybody doing all kinds of really interesting stuff in this medium uh, in, in things that like people call walking simulators or whatever. I think they have a really awesome place in like in the world of gaming. I think personally, I just think uh, we don't have the language to talk about them effectively. Well, and in fact, calling it a game does a disservice to the thing. Ex- well, that's, that's exactly agree. what yeah. I think. I, I think it, it makes it it makes it less than what it is because it's not an appropriate label to me. It's sort of like, there's a, like we have the concept of, of drawings and we have the concept of a novel. And if you have something in between, it's a graphic novel, right? Where, where the diet, where all of the story is delivered through a combination of, of pictures and text. Um, And then we have like, we have poetry and we have games. And then we have this, this thing that people just call an art game, right? (laughs) Right. It's not really a game. Like it, it takes, it takes advantage of some of the capabilities that games have, but it is not a game. But it's also not a poem by itself. It lies somewhere in between. Or something like Firewatch, which is um, mostly a story, but very vaguely a game. Yeah. Um, and I think the problem is we just don't have a we just don't have a name for that. Like we don't. So we just every, everything just gets thrown into the game pile. And I, I do think it does those things a disservice. Yeah, well, and, it, and it really does. And to me, that's that's kind of the interesting part of the whole quote-unquote debate about whether these things are games. And to me, that's a stupid question, right? The, yeah. the important thing is, what do we call this thing that, that does it justice so that when people are presented with it, they know what to expect and therefore treat it accordingly? Because so if, you, if you approach this this thing as a game, meaning you expect there to be a set of rules that you're given, that you're supposed to become an expert in those rules. Because to me, what a game is, is a set of rules that you're supposed to use to solve problems. And master. And master to solve problems. And the thing with narrative, uh, these like these experiential narrative things, is that for the most part, they don't have rules that you have to follow to solve problems. You just go through some sequence of events. So I guess what would you, based on what we've talked about, what would you refer to Firewatch as? Because I, I'm I'm in agreement that it's not... I mean, I would call it an interactive story. Yeah. Right? That's what yeah. it is. And there's there's nothing derogatory or or wrong about that. It's, 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 I think it's it's an accurate description. It's an accurate description. That's a better way to classify it. So that if you go out to look for, if you don't want to read a book because you want to be able to feel like you're immersed in a beautiful visual world. Yeah. Pick up Firewatch. Pick up Firewatch. I mean, Jesus, that's fucking gorgeous. Right. And the, the story is meaningful and it's deep. It tugs at your heartstrings, right? It does all of those things. And so it has true real value. But if you go out looking for a game, and you pick up Firewatch, you're going to play it and be like, I'm bored because I don't feel like I can become an expert at this thing, right? Right, right. I don't feel like there are rules that I can learn and then go use because the fact is you don't have much of an impact on the outcome of anything. Because it's not a 
game. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not a game. And again, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. And <laughs> I think I think it's a problem. It's something else. It's yeah. something else. I think there's a problem that people on both sides are trying to claim that these things are games on one side, and then on the other side are being very derogatory towards these things because they don't see them as games. Yeah. This is yeah, it's tricky. Yeah, it's so, like yeah. I it's, mean, in, in that regard, like when I you know back to my point earlier, which I, I should slightly revise in this after this, which is that uh, the question of it taking advantage of the form that it's presented in, the game does take massive advantage of the three D nature, the spatial nature of, and I mean the audio and all that stuff, the delivery of all that stuff, uh, you know, to a T. It, it's executed perfectly. Um, when it comes to actually delivering those things as a game, so you know, as like a like a full keyboard mouse setup, uh, slightly less, right? Um, yeah, yeah well, and that's and you're probably only saying that because you're because you go into it expecting. Well, yeah, some but so I guess exactly. right. But aspects. this is interesting because so we and we were complaining about this. Uh, I think two podcasts or something. I about, know it's perfectly in line with it. The control support for Crashlands because we got mm-hmm. tons of people who are like, "What the fuck? This game doesn't have." This game does not have controller support. Therefore, it's clearly just a shitty mobile game trying to get all up on our steam, right? <laughs> and the interesting thing about it is that this is the same argument to me. It's the yeah, same one. Absolutely. Because all they're saying is I have a I have a way to interact with this here and you won't let me do it. Therefore, this is less of a thing. Like this is – it's sort of like – It's doing putting, it wrong. Yeah, it's putting dust on the idol, you know? like Yeah, so the proper question is what is this thing trying to do and is it doing that thing well? I think the answer is tell a good story with some seriously intense uh, immersion. And I would say, yeah. Yeah. It very well. and, I, and I think that's the important, the most important metric when you're trying to decide if a thing is good or not, right? Is what is the thing actually trying to do? And if it's pulling that off, the, the moment you try to make that thing be something else and start, you know, rating it and reviewing it as a version of a thing that it was never intended to be, then you're doing yourself and that thing a disservice. Mm-hmm. Agreed. All right, let's hit some more questions. questions. Yeah, I feel like we solved it. I feel like we solved the problem good? about good. about whatever we were talking about. Mm-hmm. All right. So these questions come from Bscotch ID members, and also some of them are anonymous, and they're all submitted through podcast.bscotch.net. And uh, people can also vote for each other's questions. So we just kind of skim off the top whatever questions tickle our fancies mm-hmm. and answer them. Every well, week. really, whatever tickled your fancies since you voted. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We're just subject to the whims of the people, you guys. We Whoever's no being tickled the most. That's what we're into. Uh, so first question comes from number one Australia fan, Mia Kitty, with 17 upvotes. <gasps> we're getting up there, guys. 17, that's a lot of upvotes. Uh, that's not the question, though. The question is, so now that Crashlands has been out for a week or so, which it's been out for three and a half weeks by now, uh, what's the stats? Number of copies bought, average game time, number of completions. And while you're at it, what are the stats on the old games now that new players are discovering the old stuff? So I just want to jump in before we actually throw any any stats out there. Uh, I think we've all sort of agreed that at no point are we going to disclose actual sales numbers on Crashlands. Primarily because what that number represents can be misleading. Um, so... We're just not going to worry about it. Well, and on top and of that, uh, all of the stores, uh, part of the agreements we have with the stores agree that we will not actually disclose most of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So we, so we don't, don't worry want about to it. and can't. Just know that it's okay. It's fine. It's yeah. Well. But we we still can say quite a bit, actually, uh, because because of things like piracy and all this kind of stuff, we have some interesting numbers that we can throw out. So I'm just gonna like I'm gonna start what? I'm gonna start throwing some numbers out. Hit uh, me in the face with numbers, Adam. So to start with, let's just talk about the just the total reach that Crashlands has had. The, the number of people actually playing this game in the three and a half weeks it's been out. There have in- been including pirates, including pirates. There have hmm. been eight hundred thousand Android installs. Whew. We do, definitely didn't sell that many copies. I'll tell you that. We, right did, <laughs> we did not sell anything even remotely close to that many copies. The, the piracy rate, without a doubt, on Android is is over ninety percent. So, so which is over, which is actually what well we expected, over. and in fact, yeah. it's a little below what we expected. Yeah. Curious, so curious. Whatever that's for, whatever that's worth. Uh, so we have two hundred and forty thousand iOS installs. And we know that many of those are also pirates. So, you know, this, well, this and is also, all also remember that installs doesn't mean people. That just no. means number of devices that have the game on Correct. it. Correct. So. And we know based on the data that we do have that 
that something that a maximum of about 20% of installs are are the same person installing it twice on multiple devices or reinstalling or whatever. Yeah, like tw- I think it's 20 to 30, depending twenty on thirty, the yeah. platform. So, so I mean, these numbers could be significantly higher than reality, but not like, they're not like twice as high. Uh, but that's kind of cool. So we like to compare stuff to our hometown and state. It's like of, a million people then, right? Of Iowa. Yeah, that's a million people between those two. So I mean, not paying people, but, but people. But people. <laughs> most, most of them not paying, in fact. Uh, uh, definitely most of, most, most of them are pirates. Uh, but this is kind of fun for, for us because so we, we grew up in Iowa, which is you know one of the smaller states population-wise in the United States. It's about uh, 3 million, right? It's about 3 million people. The capital, the largest city in the capital, Des Moines, has 240, sorry, has 205,000 people. Meaning we've had more iOS installations than there are people in the biggest city in Iowa. <laughs> so that's kind of, it's kind of fun for us. It's probably for most of you, you don't give a fuck cause you don't give a fuck about Iowa, but we, <laughs> but we care about it. I like to measure it in Grinnells, yeah, which is the town we grew up in. Right. That's 10,000 people. So it's 24 Grinnells. That's a lot of Grinnells. That's a lot of Grinnells. It's just on iOS. I mean, that's like that's on iOS. Hundred Grinnells with all those damn Android pirates. Again, I want to reiterate though, that's not sales. No, that is yeah. number of devices that have the game installed. We on can't it. even tell you how hard we wish that was sales. <laughs> <laughs> so then the next one is so we're on three platforms, right? We're on and we're on Android, iOS, and Steam. So on Steam, we have one hundred twenty-five thousand installs. Which would still make Steam Steam installs the third most populous city in Iowa. So mm-hmm. I guess congratulations uh, us for being one of the most populous cities in one of the least populated states. So so when you say states. Steam installs, metal. really you just mean PC and Mac put together. Correct. Right. Okay. Because we we can't tell the difference based on our stats. Right. Uh, so that's pretty cool. So we've got over uh, well over a million installs of Crashlands. That's pretty neat. Which is really cool. I mean, it sucks that almost all of them are pirates, but it's pretty cool that we have that many people installing the game. Remember, if if you are making a paid game, you're actually making a free game. Yeah, you're making a free game that some people pay for. You're making a free game with a full version unlock that a few people are going to pay for, and it happens before they start playing. (laughs) Right. Yeah, it's a little, our, our industry is a little wonky. Okay. Yeah. So that's the total people who have actually installed the thing. Okay. Okay, now if we look at people within the Bscotch ID network, mm-hmm. there are ninety thousand people who have logged into Crashlands and logged at at least some playtime. That's pretty good. That is pretty. That's fucking awesome. Actually. That's nine. That's nine Grinnells. That's nine Grinnells of people. Oh, you mean uh, okay? Yeah, logged in with Bscotch ID. Logged in with Bscotch ID, and, and all the stats that that follow are only for those people because that's the only people we have any stats on. Uh, so, and remember just, if you use your Bscotch ID, that lets you keep track of stuff that you can carry from game to game and device to device that all is stored on our servers, which means we can also look at it. Right. So that's, that's where this comes from. We're creeping on you boys. We're, we're creeping, creeping on guys. you. Uh, but for you know, science. For, for science. So this is all aggregate data. We're not looking at individual people, blah, blah, blah. Piracy, pi- privacy is important and piracy. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. So, uh, so we have, I like, I like how sincere you are about this. Privacy is important. Blah, blah, blah. Move on. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. Shut your mouth. And it is. Let's the go. fact is we're not, we're not actually storing anything that's really privacy. Yeah. It's, well, it's just so. stuff like playtime. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't whatever. even fucking matter. I don't know, man. The NSA, they're going to string that together with other variables. Next NSA, thing you know, you're brother. on a no fly list. Oh my God. <laughs> I see you made it to space with Flop Rocket a suspicious number of times. <laughs> You're a suspiciously good game. pilot. It's almost as if you've been trained to be a terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, okay. I can guarantee that if the NSA has tried to hack our websites, they have succeeded. So the NSA knows everything about your... Adam, this doesn't speak very your highly sta- of you. Your stats <laughs> in Scotch ID. No, this spe- what it does is speaks highly about the NSA in terms of their uh, hacking skills. I see how you turn that around. If their yeah. hacking skills are anything like the groping skills of the TSA... Yeah. Then they're we're in trouble. Then we're, we're in a world of trouble. <laughs> or their ability to claim that you have bomb residue on your fingers and then wipe you with a weird pad for like two... What is that? Yeah, I don't like know what s- the fuck that is. And then they just stick the pad in a little machine and like, nope, turns out you haven't been making Let me bombs. tell you guys, I had, a, <laughs> I had a great experience. I was traveling to India and I had been... This I had already been, sounds like a terrible experience. Actually, no, sorry. I was traveling from India. I had been traveling for 26 hours and I finally landed in Chicago. 
And when I got to, when you, when you get to the U S you know, you got to like take your bags out that goes through customs. Then you pick your bag up again. And then you, then you got to be accused of being a terrorist and so on. Yeah. So I had already, I I cannot reiterate enough. I had already been flying across the entire world for 26 hours. I get to Chicago. I check my bag. They swipe my hand with the little stupid swibbity swab pad. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Hey buddy, you got bomb residue on your hands. And I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) <laughs> I've been flying for 26 hours. And so they <laughs> I'm glad through, we caught you before we, you could set off that bomb before you could get on an airplane. So, <laughs> so they open up my bag and they just start dismantling my electronics, trying to find a bomb in there. And they just like, they just took a fucking screwdriver and jammed it into my Kindle and just like ripped it in half. Wait, wait, into your Kindle. A Kindle is like a, a, what, an eighth of an inch thick? Yeah, this is like one of the old school Kindles. I mean, I can't say I know much about bombs, but what the yeah. fuck kind of bomb could you put inside I don't of a know, Kindle? but they just fucking ripped it. What are they them, just ripped it a new one. One of them and, special e-ink bombs. Ooh, yeah. yeah. You know, I've heard about that. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I was really bummed because they found my bomb. So Shit. Oh, man. Then I went to jail and that's the end of that. So. Yeah, Seth, Seth is actually time. in jail right now. I don't know if you guys were aware of this, but he's yeah. he's voiping from from his jail cell right now. Yeah, I voip a lot in here. Yeah, there's, so just what anyway, else gonna do? that was my that was my Kindle bomb story. The end. <laughs> good, good story. Well, I'm gonna move on to the rest of the statistics then. Okay, do it. So okay, so that's how many. So we got ninety thousand people in B Sketch ID playing Crashlands, which is awesome. And uh, I'm going to skip over like who's on what platform because really who gives a shit. Uh, but <laughs> so let's get into the fun stuff. Okay. okay. Those 90,000 players have put in 122 years of human time Whoa. into playing Crashlands. Just the Bscotch ID people? Just the Bscotch ID people. Wait, Fuck. so if we multiply that into the million mark right what does that give us a bunch well it gives us more than 10 like 11 times that much yeah it oh gives God, us that's gross guys that's <laughs> like <laughs> it's like a thousand fucking years we yeah crashlands very likely has consumed a thousand years of human life yeah keep so. playing keep playing we grow <laughs> we grow immortal and more powerful by the day <laughs> but the conversion rate is really bad between player years and us becoming immortal it's like less than one percent so it ta- it does take a long <laughs> way less than time 1%. yeah we need we need much much more play time before we can become immortal so get on that please yeah so that's Thank pretty you. cool 122 years of people playing they have killed across them 48 million creatures you fucking monsters yeah you guys are <laughs> awful human beings <laughs> They have harvested 128 million resources, which also makes you terrible for the environment. But did they replant? Wait a minute. That means that if you actually move that out across the pipe, that's like a that's over a billion. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Over Whoa. a billion resources yeah. have been harvested. You guys are destroying Woanope so hard. My that favorite part about that fucked. is that we have in two years, we put together a project that in one week has made or in three weeks has made a million people click a billion times, which just cracks me up. <laughs> <laughs> we are, well, we are, that's that's a minimum you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, we are dispensing so many taps right now. Yeah, How many if f- you could, yeah, if you could take all of that click energy Ooh, or tap you energy, pow- you could probably power a like a flat screen TV. Yeah, or you could probably make bigger. you could probably make an <laughs> e ink bomb. <laughs> well, I mean, you could do that with anything. That's true. Apparently. Apparently. Yeah, it's super easy to make an e-ink bomb. <laughs> That's yeah, so I hear. So what people have also crafted 96 million items. Jeez. Oh, that's kind of now boring in retrospect. Who gives a fuck about how many items? <laughs> uh, they've Who caught, does give a fuck? <laughs> they've, they've caught 20 million fish, which seems like a lot of fish. You know my favorite part of this? There's so many people in the subreddit who come in and they're like, look, I'm trying to get these gongs. The damn gongs. They're like, how, like, what's the drop rate? It's like one in a thousand. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's low. super low. So they make, you know, they make uh, the fishing bombs. They they get all these strategies with the, the fat-headed, you know, the fat fish. Um, they do all this crazy shit. And then there's always one post. I, I don't know if you notice this, but in almost every single one of them, someone posts and they say, uh, look, guys, I've been doing this for like seven hours. I can't find it. And then 12 minutes later, they're like, oh, found it. Yeah, every, every, every single time. Right? <laughs> every time. <laughs> like, what? That's because happen? I precisely calibrated the d- drop rate 
so perfectly that just at the moment that you've lost hope and you're about to just give up on life, it drops like right <laughs> at that moment. It, it was a, it was a fine balancing act. It's yeah. one of my better, <laughs> it's well better played. moments. And across everybody, 2.7 million deaths have happened, which is basically the population of Iowa, the entire state. Yeah. We killed the whole state of Iowa. We killed the whole state of Iowa in Crashlands in three and a half weeks, which is pretty pretty Okay, so then if we if we so if we multiply that by eleven, right, to hit the whole the whole player base. Sure. Then yeah, so we're we're talking like twenty five million flux deaths. Yeah. It's a bunch. Hot dang. That's a lot of gravestones. And all of those people have walked to the moon and back six times, <laughs> which is pretty good. It turns out, though, I was like, how far is that relative to like the distance between us and Mars? It turns out not very far at it's all. It's Mars is zero. Really right? fucking far away. Yeah. Did we get to Mars yet? How far away from Mars? No, not even close. I don't even want to talk about it because we're not even close. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I think. But yeah, it sounds awesome to say. Well, it takes what? It takes like what? a couple few days to get to the moon. And it I mean, takes yeah, eight, if you're lazy. It takes eight months to get to Mars. Yeah, so. and, and because it's so far away, you're, you're, way, you're going way faster the whole time, you know, because yeah. you get to accelerate for a lot longer. But anyway, so we what have other a, stats you got? We'll just ignore that one for like a year, then we'll come back and visit how far, how many <laughs> moons we've gone, or, or Mars we've we'll gone We'll come to. back in eight months. Uh, but now here's, now here's what I thought was actually kind of cool. 31% of people, of all those 90,000 people, have gotten to the bog. Oh, wow. Which is pretty good. So a third? Yeah. Almost a third of people have gotten to the bug. Only 8% though have gotten to the tundra. Whoa. It's a pretty steep drop off. Well, it'll, it'll go up. It will, yeah, it'll go. So it's a long game. It's only been out for three and a half weeks. So that'll go up. That's true. Uh, only 2% of people have defeated Hugo. Whoa. Mm. Yeah. Only 70. That's actually higher than I thought at like this early. Yeah, it's actually not bad. Uh, but it's pretty, it's still pretty dang low. But here's, here's the, here's the kicker. Only 78 human beings <gasps> have beat the game in challenge mode. Whoa. That's not even the hardest difficulty. How many people have done it on the same? 37. Whoa. Man, 37. That's, like, that's enough people to just high five. Well, that's people who are logged in. People right? who are logged in. Still, though. That still means that, you know, at most, something on the order of like 400 people have actually done that. Right. Right. Yeah. So. That's. Good, yeah. on, good on you guys. I haven't done it. Me neither. Have you guys? I nope. have not done it. I I'm, a, I'm on the I'm on the stone shaper tier on my insane mode save. So I'm I'm a few tiers into the game. Next question and last question comes from Little Gamer. The question is discussion time. This is the whole thing's a discussion. Google Play, iTunes, or Steam. That's so. I just want to point out that we we did not pick one. We just picked all three um each one is interesting mm-hmm. i don't know what, well okay what, what do you guys so here, here's what i'll Great say point, what i'll say is it sucks as an indie dev to be completely 100 percent dependent on a store and how the store decides to present your game especially just one store especially just one store to be successful meaning if any one of those three stores didn't showcase our game during launch which we were super lucky that all three did to some extent or another, uh, then on any particular store, we would have failed. Mm-hmm. And if we were only launching on one platform, like say we only launched on iTunes and they decided not to showcase our game, that would be it. The game would be worth nothing. Yep. After after two years of work and all this blood, sweat, and tears, we'd launch the game. They'd be like... Well, it wouldn't be worth nothing. It'd be worth like one one hundredth. Yeah. Or less. Maybe. Which that. is yeah. effectively nothing because it would actually... <laughs> it would make it so that we couldn't survive as a studio. So, so I would say the, the fact that we as indie devs are so dependent on these stores makes all of them kind of suck. Yeah. You know, cause like, well, they're, they're great when you're on the front page of them. Yeah. So for but actually, if, if you aren't, then it's awful. right. Which means that for us, they've been great. Right. And in the general sense that like for most people, they suck horribly, all three, because most people, most indie devs fail on their launch. Um, well, they fail to get featured. They fail to get featured, which just means they fail financially also. Right. Uh, so we were very lucky in that we we did not. So so for that, we can be very thankful to them. They're basically our gods is, yeah. is those three <laughs> stores, right? <laughs> and so we prayed to them over and over again. We made sacrifices to them. And so actually, though, I have an they, answer. I have an answer to the question. Dude, I killed a goat. So the, the question is Google Play, iTunes or Steam. My answer is B Scotch ID. Yeah. That's fact. 
that's the answer that we came up with as a studio. Um, we were actually talking to our buddies over at Graphite Lab uh, yesterday about this very concept. Who's Graphite Lab? Graphite There's Lab is sweet a sweet guys. Yeah, they're a studio also here in St. Louis. They're working on a, a badass game called Hive Jump, and it's still quite a ways away, um, but we're actually going to go play it sometime soon and give them some feedback, so that's going to be fun. But we were kind of talking to them about how, uh, as an independent studio, if you purely rely on these stores to feature you as your only means of getting exposure to players, that is... Like that is so fucking risky. Yeah. Like that's a re that's a losing proposition in the long term because when we first started, every week we had to compete with five to seven hundred games that week for those feature spots. Now it's in the thousands. Uh who knows? Five years from now, maybe it'll be in the ten thousands. Um and it, in and every week there are more losers than there are. And you know, the winners. same number uh, of winners. There's the same number of winners, which is like two to three and there's way more people who just couldn't get anything out of it. Um, and so for us, B scotch ID has been our way to break free of that constraint and we're still growing it and we're still kind of developing it. Uh, but the idea is basically if we have thousands of people in this system who we can just send an email newsletter to whenever we launch a new game and say, Hey, if you liked Crashlands, check out our new thing, or we can uh, send out information on updates about the game just to kind of keep people in the loop. Um, let them know if merch becomes available, that they might be interested in, you know, whatever it is that allows our players to just, you know, keep an easy eye on us as a studio and be reminded that we're doing stuff and that we exist. Um, it means that when those launch days happen, we don't necessarily have to be at the exact number one feature spot to, uh, to still have people know that we're doing something. So that's been kind of the goal with B-Scotch ID. And it's, like I said, it's still coming along, but it's starting to work. I think, yeah. I don't know. Do you guys have any other thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I that's think, a good answer. Yeah. I think we're, you're absolutely right that you have to, you don't get to pick. You don't get to be choosy. And I think whenever, whenever we hear people being like, yeah, we're just launching on iTunes, but we're using Unity to develop this game. We're like, why don't you just put it on everything? Because <laughs> yeah, because you, you, you can, and it's super risky actually not to. Yeah. It might take you, you know, a month to do a green light. It might take you like a week or two to figure out Google play integration stuff. But I mean, the, the extra risk mitigation you get from that is huge. So do not, not play with all three of these platforms. When it comes to Amazon or other smaller platforms, you can you can ignore them. I think I can safely say that. Uh, we know that the amount of extra revenue you get from those is is not as potentially large as yeah. Or, I mean, if you useful. like like itch.io is going to be I don't know maybe a hundredth of a percent of his, of Steam sales. Um, Amazon would be like a few percent. You know. Yeah. Uh, of say like Google Play sales or something. You know, it's just go go where you're going to get the biggest group of people, the best exposure. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Well, I think that's uh, all we have time for. You know, we kind of went a little over over budget today. So I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. This has been Coffee with Butterscotch. And if you want to check out our games, you can head on over to games.bscotch.net. So maybe if you've been a fan of Crashlands and you want to scope out some of the other stuff that we've got, uh, just head on over there at games.bscotch.net. We have links to everything. We also have a great community over at forums.bscotch.net. And we lurk there as well. So feel free to jump in, ask questions, say hi, tell us some stories about yourself, do some fan art, you know, whatever. Just throw some stuff in there and see what happens. And uh, if you want to get questions on next week's podcast, head on over to podcast.bscotch.net and ask away. And as always, thank you all for listening. Uh, we love you all. And we will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.